Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. What's up? How you guys doing? Let's give a hand clap of praise to the Lord. Ain't God good? All right, all right. I am so glad that you are here. Welcome to Freedom Church. If it's your first time, thank you for taking time out of your busy life to come in person. Or if you are there online, thank you for joining us today. And let me say to those of you that watch online, if you are with any driving distance of this church, we would love to love on you. Show up on the campus here at Freedom Church. We would love to love on you. How about you guys give a shout and a scream out and say, we'd love to love on you. Just give them a yell and a scream. Let them know that you're here. Tell them, church. All right, all right, all right. So, first thing I want to do out of the gate, I want all the men in the church to stand. If you're a man, stand to your feet. If you're 18 years and above, stand to your feet. On the count of three, I want you to say hoorah. One, two, three. Man, man, that's military, finest army of God I've ever heard. Listen, guys, here's what you want to do. I don't care if you're here for your first time or you've been here for, for the 20 years we've been going. I want you to come to men's retreat. Okay, here's why. It's an amazing time. If your schedule won't permit, I get that or work. But it's August 19th through the 21st. We go up on Thursday evening. We come back on Saturday. Two nights at Center Hill Lake. We're going to have a great time on the lake. We're going to do some teaching. We're going to do fun men stuff. But I tell you, you'll come back a changed man. So wives, just tell them it's married that they have to go today. But here's what gets better. We, it's normally 275. We eat a lot of good food because if it ain't got good food, you're not going to go, right? So anyway, so with that being said, Today, $100 scholarship if you sign up today, right out there, $175. You're going to eat more than that food. I know you guys, okay? So anyway, on the count of three, say hoorah again. I want you to sign up today. One, two, three. Hoorah! All right. You can be seated. God bless our men. Let's give them some love today. Thank you, guys. So, I remember in the summer of 1997, I was teaching Sunday school at my wife's church that she grew up in. And been teaching the adult class, I think, for like seven years. And uh, God began to, to put on my heart about preaching the gospel. I felt like I was lost. I felt like I had done something wrong. I felt like I had sinned. The burden was so heavy. But I knew that there wasn't, there wasn't anything. There wasn't active sin in my life. One thing I'm doing, I began praying, 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 talking to my pastor, talking to different other friends that are mentors and things like that. And I remember on the last Sunday of August 1997, on the last Sunday of July, before the first Sunday of August, I went before the church and prayed. And when I did, I told the church I had to preach the gospel, that God was calling me to do that. So my pastor put me up on Sunday morning, the next Sunday morning. And I'm thinking, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> I'm thinking, isn't this a Sunday night, a Wednesday night thing, you know, just kind of ease into it? But he puts me up Sunday morning the next week. And here's what was so cool about it. I preached a message, the first message I ever preached was, the name of it was this, is your name in the book of life? From Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, whosoever's name is not found in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. And I'll never forget in that service after I shared that first message, a little boy, 12 years old, came up, his name was Andy Whited, and gave his life to Jesus, which solidified God's call in my life. And I figured out real quick that my, I have a soul purpose. 
S-O-U-L. And you know what? Not only do I have a soul purpose, you have a soul purpose. Last week I talked about our, vi- our, our future vision. Today I'm talking about our soul purpose, S-O-U-L, soul purpose. Shannon and I was called to start this church, and next spring, March 3rd of 2022, we're going to celebrate 20 years of watching God save souls. And God deserves praise and honor because without Him it would not have happened. Give God some praise. All right, church. So, with that being said, and and God calling us to that, and and in the ministry of what we're doing, we have grown a lot since then, and then we know that we're running around a thousand people, COVID hit, we had to shut down for three months, and then next thing we know, we come back, and the national average of comeback for churches that have not permanently closed is about 36% of their attendance before um, after COVID and before that, you know, they got about 36% come back. We've been blessed to run 55, 60% and all that. But the thing about it is when you think about those percentages, uh, our sole purpose hasn't changed. Our purpose at Freedom Church and to be able to reach people is Freedom Church exists to reach people to know God. I want you to say that with me. Freedom Church exists to reach people to know God. It's time that we light a fire of soul searching in our lives for people in our community that are facing an eternity in a place called hell. Our sole purpose is to reach people to know God, and I want today help all of us to know how to do that because the death clock for souls is ticking, okay? And the soul is the goal. Say that with me. The soul is the goal. So, With that being said, I want to ask you this question today. How many of you have ever met that sold out, dedicated, committed, irritating Christian? How many of you have met that person before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll never forget my pastor that I announced my calling under. He went to do a revival. And when he went to do his revival, his wife went with him. She went up to the front of the church. It was the second pew on the right. She sat down on the end of the pew. And before service started, a woman comes up through there. And she sees his wife sitting there and takes her purse, hits her on the shoulder and says, get up. You're in my seat. That sold out, dedicated, committed, irritating church person, I would call. And with that being said, I want us to get today that we don't need to be church people. You're going to get that in your head when I'm done today. You're going to realize what you really need to be in our sole purpose. But it's a privilege I want you and I to never take for granted that we get to know Jesus. And I think there's a lot of church people that have forgotten that. I want to take us to John chapter 15. I want you to look what God's Word says here and what Jesus is saying. He said, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He said, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. See, do you understand what this is saying here? What Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world is saying. It means here that he's saying that if you're not bearing fruit, what good are you? See, in our lives, the reason a lot of times if we're not bearing fruit is because there's things in our lives that need to be pruned. The issue today with church people and churches is that church people have become judgmental in nature, so they want to judge what's going on in somebody else's life, and they want to prune somebody else instead of asking God to prune something in their own life that's keeping them from being a person that's bearing fruit for Jesus Christ. 
You follow what I'm saying here? Say yes. So he goes on to say in verse 8 in John 15, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Say true disciples. He didn't say, when you produce much fruit, you are my church people. He doesn't say that. He says, my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So when you think about you and I, we need to bring great glory to God. So what does it take for those of you lean in Christian? If you're not a Christian yet, you're going to have the opportunity to become one today, okay? But if you're a Christian, you just lean in for a minute. What truly gives God glory? Is it shouting amen? Is it, is it saying hallelujah? Is it reading your Bible? Is it praying? Is it coming to church? Which all of those things are good things. But here's what I want you to know. This is what brings glory to God. Is that your life and your behavior is in such a way that others want to follow the Jesus that you say you follow. When people witness your life, they see your life and your behavior. So today, how do we bless people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's what we're going to learn together today. There's some people, I think church people, they don't mind sharing Jesus as long as they don't have to build a relationship with the person they're sharing Jesus with. You follow what I'm saying? You say, I say, break it down for me. Understand that the problem with church people today is that church people holistic have become content with not even sharing Jesus. They've become content about their own life. And some people in church people say, well, that's your job, pastor. It's your job to win the people in here. We have a four-fold job description for pastors in this nation. Preach, teach, marry, and bury. And I'm thinking, no, my job as a pastor of this church and the shepherd of this church is to lead and feed the flock of God. That's my job. Shepherds do not make sheep. Sheep make sheep. And that's you. Look at the person next to you and say, that's you. Now look back at them and say, that's you too. Right? So... Yes, I'm going to do all I can in soul winning, but I've got to lead you to do that because I could do the work of 10 men, but if I do the work of 10 men, I'm not going to last long. I won't be standing on this stage any longer. I'll be downtown at Clover Bottom, you know, just twitching, you know, something, you know. But anyway, but if I lead you and lead and feed you and equip you, then look how much more it's going to make an impact for the kingdom. So I, I want to ask you some questions and it's going to get quiet in here. How many people have you won to Jesus in this past year? I'm talking to Christians in here. How many people have you won to Jesus in this past year? In a pandemic, it hit our world and people need Jesus. How many people have you brought to church in this past year? Winning souls, which is the goal, would be our sole purpose, requires that you and I develop relationships with people that do not know Jesus. And there's a whole lot in it for us that do that. As a matter of fact, I love the saying, which it may be cliche to you, but people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. It's true. It's very true. And we run so fast and so wide open, we don't take the time to build relationships with people who do need the Lord. Look at Daniel chapter 12 and look at, listen to what it says in verse 2 and 3. 
He says here, influence of, of, the, of the Holy Spirit. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Do you understand? People that die, one day when the Lord comes back, those bodies are going to meet him in the air. Read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You'll read that there. Going to meet him in the air. There's some that's going to make it into everlasting life with God. There's others going to be into eternal disgrace and eternal fire and hell and damnation. All that. That's what he's talking about in the first verse. But listen to the second verse. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. When you think about that second verse there, what it's saying is, is that there's a lot of people who look for stardom in this world here, which is temporal. There's people that want to be stars in Hollyweird. There's people, but all that stuff is temporary, okay? In heaven, there's going to be a great shift in human values because no humans are going to be there. Christians that are willing to win souls now for Jesus will find out that when you do this and you lead those to righteousness, you're going to be famous in heaven. You make Jesus famous now and you will be famous in heaven. That's what that verse is saying. It says there, once again, in that day, those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Say forever. We had better change our thinking about what really matters when it comes to eternity. We need to set our heart on things that are eternal, even though we live in the temporary here in this life. Christians waste too much time and too much energy so many times on things that are soon going to be gone. They have no permanent reward, okay? And if you seek to empty hell of its potential residence, you're going to be great in the world to come. That's what this word is saying to us. You're wise if you'll take and spend your time, you'll spend your energy, you'll spend money, and you will pray to keep sinners out of a place called hell. Because as sure as heaven is real, Hell is too. And you're going to have a blessed reward because of it. Look at verse 3 again. I want to read it again. Those who are wise, say wise. Look at the person next to you, say be wise. So we're going to be wise and we're going to shine as bright as the sky. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. There's no doubt that God makes a promise to soul winners, which is not made to other Christians who do not win souls. So those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. How blessed the soul winners are going to be. And we're going to talk about it today because everybody misconstrues what it is to win somebody the Lord. They feel like they're not qualified. I don't know enough scripture. I'm timid. I'm shy. I'm an introvert. No, no, no. We're going to throw all that out the window today. And we're going to help you to understand what it takes to be able to reach somebody for the Lord. And you're going to be blessed with eternal rewards forever. It, we'd be foolish to miss those blessings which God is telling us here in his word specifically for people who will do. So let's reap it. Let's reap it together. Now, is there a lot of people that need the Lord? Look at Matthew 9 and listen to what Jesus tells his disciples in that moment, which is applicable to us. He said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Boy, is that so true. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. What he's saying here is that the harvest is truly great, but there's so few workers. And here's what I want to tell you. You need to be serving in the kingdom of God. You need to be serving in the local church. If you call this church home, listen to me closely, and I'm going to be straight with you. I always will. If you call this church home and you don't have a place that you're serving somewhere at some time, not serving, you're sinning. It's just the way it is. 
Because what makes you and I better than Jesus Christ who said in Matthew uh, 28 and verse 20, I do believe it is, if I'm quoting it right, or it might, I may have it transposed because I get dyslexic sometimes. I just, you know, I get just kind of off a little bit. But he said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and give my life a ransom for many. So he died for us. There's opportunities for us to be like Jesus. We're not better than him, and I don't believe you would say that you are. So here's something I want you to understand. We need to pray for God to use every single one of us that are Christians in the kingdom of God here serving in the harvest. So we're going to talk about that today. But here's something I want you to understand about the harvest. New demographics we just got for our church within a 20, grasp this, a 20-minute driving distance, okay? In a 20-minute driving distance from 2010 to 2015, 20 minutes, when I say 20 minutes, it's not drawing a circle and putting a dot in the middle. It's driving 20 minutes. You might go five miles and hit 25 red lights, and it's going to take you 20 minutes, right? Or you may drive uh, 20 minutes, and it may be 15 or 18 miles because it's clear roads. Get that. So it's like this little deal here. From 2010 to 2015, 20 minutes of the church, it grew 10,000 people. That was five years. From 2015 to 2018, it grew in a three-year period another 10,000 people, 20 minutes driving from the church. From 2019 till right now, it grew another 10,000 people. So think about those numbers for a minute. And think about how the harvest is truly grown, but the workers are few. That's why that I have a burden for us to get busy about what God wants us to do in the church. The harvest truly is great. We need to pray that we all get busy. So I want to talk about being blessed. Last week I gave you a vision acronym. This week I want you to remember the blessed acronym. How many of you here that are, that are Christians, you want to be really blessed in your life? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. We're going to take off. When you think about people in your life and in your, that you're in your circle of life and you're thinking about someone that does not know the Lord, first off you begin with prayer. You say, what do you mean? The greatest thing you can do is when you're around people is look at them and say, hey, how can I pray for you? Now, I'm not telling you, you got to grab them and wrestle them to the ground and anoint them with cooking oil right then and pray over them for their situation. Some of you might be timid. You might be shy. You might not even pray in front of people, but you pray. That's okay. You ask them, how can I pray for you? And then when you do, you be serious about it and take and put in your phone and notes in your phone and put down their name and what you're praying for them about. Then you basically, when you do that, and I need to write that on the board. I forget that every time. Begin with prayer. <laughs> so. You begin with prayer and you write, and here's what you do. The next time that you see them, ask them about what you've been praying about for them. Let them know that you love them and you care about them, that you're praying for them, and you ask them about it. See, everyone has burdens, no matter who you are. It doesn't matter your, your, it doesn't matter your financial status. It doesn't matter your social status, whatever it is. Everybody has a burden in life. Everybody hurts in life. And, and I don't ever remember asking anyone to pray for them and say, hey, how can I pray for you? They never said, oh, pastor, don't pray for me. My life is perfect. <laughs> I've never saw that. Have you? Nobody's life's perfect. Not mine, not yours, or not anybody's. So you begin with prayer. But also something that's important that you do, you listen to them. 
God gave us all two ears and one mouth. The problem with church people is that a lot of times when you're talking to people, you take on this Heidi attitude and you don't listen. You do twice as much talking as you do listening. And that's a sad situation that any of us would do that. When we begin to listen to somebody, you, you have this, church people have this attitude to jump to telling them what you're doing wrong. No, you just need to take that moment and listen to that purpose, listen to that person and ask and listen to what's going on in their life and instead of trying to give them answers in that moment. Church people, sometimes they take that arrogant, know-it-all attitude. We're supposed to be true disciples. True disciples doesn't do that. How many of you know anybody that's a know-it-all? Raise your hand. You know it all. Some of you sitting with them right now. Just blink at me. Let me see y'all. I'll look around. Yeah, they're right here, Pastor. Anyway, I don't want to act like I know it. I want to have that spirit of humility. The Lord set for us to be humble in our spirit. And so we just need to stop talking and start listening. James 1.19 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Say it with me. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Say it. Quick to listen, slow to speak. That's what we need to be doing. People are hurting today. People are broken. People are, are feeling hopeless, and they need the Lord's hope in Him and the power in their life. Some people just need you to just sit down, take a moment, look them in the eye, and listen to them. Something else that people need, and they need this in a huge kind of way, we need to encourage them. Encourage them. You know what I'm saying? How many of you here, I want to ask you to raise your hand if you'll, if you'll take part in this. How many of you in the last month have been discouraged about something? Raise your hand. You've been discouraged about something. Man, that's most of us. Because that's life. Because you're either coming out of a problem or you're in the middle of one or one's going to hit you between the eyes. And you get discouraged. We all do this. Could you imagine Christians getting discouraged? Could you imagine how people are that don't even know Jesus, how they can get discouraged? So what you need to do with that person in you building a relationship with is sit down with them over a cup of coffee. Listen to them. Encourage them in what they're going through. You're praying for them. You're encouraging them. And then even eat a meal with them. Do you understand Jewish culture to be this? In Jewish culture, all the way back to Jesus' time to this day, Jews would take and eat a meal, and they would have a meal over anything of importance. You notice that Jesus had the Last Supper meal on the Thursday night before he went to the cross. And the important thing was, I want you to remember my death. And look at it over 2,000 years later, we're still remembering the death of Jesus and what Jesus done for humanity. So important that you encourage them. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 4, Paul is telling the church at Corinth these words, and I would love this to be our church. He says, I have the highest confidence in you, and I take great pride in you. You have greatly encouraged me and made me happy despite all our troubles. I don't know about you, but troubles is not discriminative. Troubles comes to everybody. And Paul's telling them, listen, Corinthian church, you've encouraged me. You've made me happy despite everything I've went through. Some Christians, though, they just want to whine and complain. How many of you here know that person this week? Probably this week. You know them. They called you. You pulled that phone up and went, Poof. no thanks. Mm -mm. Not talking to them now. Because all they do is call and whine and complain and fuss and argue. And they want you to be the sounding board. I ain't got time for that. Talk to the hand because the face completely doesn't understand. Okay? 
Listen, we have enough trouble as it is. We don't need to be whining and complaining and arguing and, and doing all that kind of stuff because it just makes you sick and you get off the phone, you got to go get a Tylenol. No, 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 no. We need to be people who encourage one another. But also something that's really important that we do is that when you're looking out there and trying to reach somebody, man, you want to do everything. You can serve a need that they have because it's so important. I remember a pastor friend told this story and it's really cool. He had his family moved in beside him and well, they moved in. He went over to introduce himself and say, welcome to our neighborhood. Glad you are here. By the way, I'd like to invite you to church. And uh, if you don't, you know, since you just moved in here and, and uh, the person was nice, but he said, you know what? I appreciate that. I don't need your God and I really don't need you. Boop. Most people would have walked away and said, forget you, dude. <laughs> You're going to hell. That church people would say that. But what did he do? He walked away with this attitude. He said, I got a hard one this time. I got a hard case this time. So here's what he did. The guy next door, this is in God's humor, and it's not funny, but it's humorous to me. The guy next door that was next to him started cleaning his gutters out, fell off the ladder, and ended up in the hospital. Didn't kill him, but ended up in the hospital. So what does the pastor guy do? He talks to the wife and says, hey, I know he fell off the ladder. Let me clean your gutters. Sure. He went over, cleaned all the gutters, cleaned up all the mess. Long story short, when the guy got out, he was blown away by how that he had served the situation and everything, and he ended up coming to church with him and his family, and his whole family gave his life to Jesus. Is that awesome or what? And you think about that, and when we can serve a need that someone has, when you go out of your way, you clear your schedule, and you do that, it makes a difference in someone's life. And, but I know a lot of times we're all busy, okay? Sometimes you can think, well, man, I just really don't have time. I don't have time in my calendar. I, I, it's not really in my agenda. I've got my goals. I've got my dreams. I've got my plans. But listen, read Philippians 4 and 2 here in the message. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Think about that. Look at the person next to you right now and say, it ain't about you. Now look back and say, it ain't about you either, okay? It's not a shortage of time, but it's a problem with priorities. You got to have a servant's heart like Jesus. Your agenda becomes God's agenda. You get up every day saying, God, how can I make, I've been praying this this way. God, use me, help me make a difference today. A lot of Christians can, can quote the, you know, the Apostles' Creed and they can quote Scripture, but they just, church people have forgot how to love and serve other people. I don't want to be church people. I want to be a true disciple of Jesus. Many Christians today, they're looking for opportunity, but they're looking for the wrong opportunities. They're not looking for eternal opportunities to shine like stars. Next thing you can do is, is share your story. You say, what do you mean? This is where it really gets squirrely for people because you, sometimes you don't feel qualified to, you say, you mean you want me to lead somebody to Jesus? I don't really know how to do that. Pastor, I'm burdened about my neighbor here. Would you come and lead them to Jesus? No, it's your burden. You're going to lead them to Jesus because God didn't give me that burden. He gave you that burden. You follow me? That's your job, not my job. Think about that. And what I'm saying by that is, Here's simply how you share your story that's not going to freak somebody out. Listen to me, Christian. Once again, lean in, Christians. Think about when you weren't a Christian, okay? Think about where you are today. Think about where God has brought you from where you were to where you're at today. That's the, the story you share. Simple as that. This is where I was. This is where I'm at. 
God's good. This is where I'm going. You see? Simple story of salvation in your life. Look at 1 Peter 3 and 15. It says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always, say always, always be ready to explain it. This means you can share your hope to someone that's desperate. Because if you do any, this list here is something, okay, we got to start here. Some of you in your right brain mind have got to start here and here and here and here. Some of you just need to jump in here first. You see a need you need to serve. Do it. The next thing you know, why are you doing this? Well, I love Jesus. Why do you love Jesus? Boom! Go right through the door and say, well, you know what? I used to be this person over here. I'll tell you, it was terrible. I was this, blah, 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 whatever it is. But then, I gave my life to the Lord. If I spit on y'all, I'm sorry. It's Holy Spirit, I hope. Anyway. <laughs> and this is the difference he's made in my life. You extend the hope that you've already got to somebody who needs the hope that you've got. Boy, that was good. That's tweetable right there. And I don't, I'm not even on Twitter. <laughs> you extend the hope to that person because of the hope that you already got. It's important. So next thing is you want to extend an invitation to church. Okay? Say, so what do you mean? Well, you look for an opportunity to do that. You know, because there's people that can be invited to be able to come and, and to be a part of what God is doing. The church here is a place for unchurched to come as well. We, we, it is for us to worship God. And so we extend an invitation. We take the time in our lives to not only invest in people and to tell them about Jesus, what God is doing in our life. And, and when you mean it genuinely and you care about them and you show that, and you, you begin to look at what's going on in their life, what's happening in their life. And when the time is right, you extend an invitation and you invite them to church. It's very, very simple. It's vital that we become fully engaged in the local church, but it's also that we invest in people that are unbelievers or unchurched or dechurched people in their lives. Listen to what Luke 14 and 23 says, Jesus using this parable. He says here, the master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Now, I found some interesting study that was done. This study was done with church people. They weren't really true disciples. They couldn't be or it would be totally different. But it said 82% of unchurched people are likely to attend church if they were invited. It means 82 people out of 100 said they would come if somebody didn't invite them. The problem is with church people that in this study they found that only 2% of church people invited an unchurched people to come to church. In other words, 98% of church people weren't inviting. 7 out of 10 of the unchurched people said they'd never been invited to church ever in their life. Some of you think, well, pastor, Everyone I know goes to church, or I've already asked my brother, my sister, my neighbor, my coworker. I've asked them to come, and if I'm just too pushy, Pastor, what are they going to think about what's going on? There is power in the invitation and a strategy. And you say, what do you mean? A godly strategy of inviting someone to be able to, to come to church. you got to have your spiritual antennas up, and there, there's, there's something I want to share with you that's important. You listen for people that says they're not in church. If they say they're not in church, that's someone you can invite to church. You listen to someone in your, as you're walking and going through life at work and home and out and about. If they say things aren't going well, and you listen and you hear them say, well, you know, I lost my job. It's tough. You know, we've about lost everything we've got, this pandemic. We lost our business. Things just aren't going well. Or if you hear somebody say, man, I wasn't prepared for this, but I just found out I've got stage four cancer. 
Man, when you hear those types of things, I'm not in church, things aren't going well, I'm not, I wasn't prepared for this, that's when you say, really? Well, I'd like to invite you to my church. Because that's when they're spiritually right to hear from a God that they need so bad and so desperately in their life. It's a godly strategy. So here's what I want you to understand. August 15th, two weeks from today, we're doing the greatest outreach we've ever done since we started this church. We're, we're hitting the whole county almost. We're doing 75,000 mail-outs to this community. 75,000 homes, which that, if you take well by 2.3, whatever you're talking, close to 200,000 people, okay? We're going, we're going way out. We're going to do a series called The Best is Yet to Come, because here's what I know. My God's on the throne. I don't care about no pandemic. I don't care about, about the Delta variant that's going on. Here's what I know. This thing right here has caused a lot of people to take their eyes off God. And you know what? If I die, I die in the Lord. But there's a lot of people, if they die, they're not dying in the Lord. If you die with a Delta variant, you don't know Jesus had been better. You didn't even, never born. You see what I'm saying? So I want to challenge all of us here to do what we can. We're going to give you invite cards when you leave. And my challenge to you, church, is, is to go out there and find five sheep. Five sheep that don't have a church family or not involved in church and invite them to come two weeks from a day. Two weeks from a day. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do a four-part series we're doing, Future Hope. We're going to do an evangelistic message about the hope that they can have in Christ that day. Bring them to church. Take them to lunch. Whatever you got to do, bring them. Next week, we're going to talk about beyond wounds. I know so many people I've talked to are so wounded. They're wounded financially. They're wounded physically. They're wounded professionally. They're wounded in all these different kinds of ways. And we want to help them to understand that God has their back. We're going to talk about those wounds. The next week, we're going to talk about something that nobody's talking about, confronting depression. Man, I've never seen the sights and the sore of depression over this past year or so of this pandemic. People are depressed out of their ever-loving minds, and we want to help them to understand their hope is in Christ. The next week, we're going to talk about being healthy together. So I want you to be a part of that and what God is going to do. And, and, and here's what I want you to know. I'm not the best pastor, but I'm giving it my all. We're not the best church. In this county, we're certainly not the biggest one. But here's what I promise you. If you invite those five people, when they come here, they're going to get loved and they're not going to get judged. I give you my promise on that. And I hope and pray that you'll take part in that. The last thing is this. Disciple them. Tell them if you're freaking out and oh my goodness, I've never discipled anybody in my life. Listen to me, it's very simple. The word disciple means a learner. We've all learned something. You learned your, your parents really discipled you. Hopefully they taught you something. In school, the wonderful teachers taught you things and helped you learn things. They were really helping you to be a learner. But here's something I want you to know. Jesus said in Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20, it was a great commission. Last words he said before he went to the cross, he said, for us to go and make disciples. Teach of them whatever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the world. So to disciple someone, listen to me, it's real simple. To disciple someone means you instruct them. You teach them the knowledge of God that you've got that, that they don't know and you, you tell them those things and you show them how you live. Showing them is, is better than anything. And just say, hey, listen, listen, follow me 
as I follow Jesus. Together, follow me. Now, if I fall down, hey, help me up because I could stumble and I need you. I'm just a few steps in front of you on this journey toward Jesus. So I might fall down. I need you. If you fall, I'll come back and get you. Just follow me as I try my best to follow Jesus. I love what this says in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, but you are the ones chosen by God. Chosen for a high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. To tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. We have an opportunity together to make Jesus famous in this life. And you're going to be superstars and shine like the stars forever in the next life. The word there says you're going to be famous. God wants to use us more than our minds and our hearts and our lives can ever comprehend. This week, what Shannon and I were eating lunch, and I hate getting calls like this. One of our beloved people here, Thomas McPherson, his wonderful wife, Angie. Thomas called me and, and said, I've got some bad news. He said, I found my 43-year-old son, John, this morning, dead on the floor with a heart attack. John was here last Sunday, smiling, talking to different people here. John was at his men's group on Tuesday night. It's not natural to bury your son. But here's what I know about Thomas and Angie and their hope in the Lord. John was a Christian. John knew the Lord. And John is in heaven where we're all wanting to get to, right? Really in our level, in our minds, in a heart of maturity, we should be jealous that John made it there before we did. We should be jealous. But they're left behind here to sort this thing out. So please pray for Thomas and Angie and their family. But here's the point I'm making. John died of a heart attack. But what about that person that dies that don't know Jesus in your life? And if we were just church people going to church and we didn't become true disciples of Jesus, you'd never see him again if you're a Christian if they didn't make Jesus the Lord of their life. That's why that I'm trying to create such urgency in our lives. The time is now. The prophecies are being fulfilled, and God is close to wrapping this up. I know some of you have heard that, but I'm telling you, it's getting real close. I read this story as I've come to a close about a pastor, and a man went to this pastor. He says, hey, pastor, I, I want to join your church. He said, but I don't have much time to be able to, to vote to the church. He said, he said I, I'm very busy, and he said, I'm not going to be able to be called on to do any kind of teaching. I'm not going to be able to do any kind of outreach. I'm not going to be able to do any soul winning kind of deal. I'm just really, really uh, busy, and, and I'm really not going to be able to serve in any way. He said, I'm not going to be able to help with, with anything going on with a student or a kid's ministry. I'm not going to be able to do any special projects. He said, I don't even have any money to be able to help the church with any needs the church has. 
So the pastor stopped and he thought for a moment and he said, I believe you're at the wrong church. He said, the church you're looking for is three blocks down on the right. So he followed the pastor's directions and he went down three blocks on the right and he found the church that was abandoned, boarded up, and empty. And the pastor made his point to this young man to say that any church is really just a few steps from becoming like that church three blocks down on the right. I don't want our church to just survive. I want our church to thrive and be a soul-saving station for people to find Jesus, for people to know the Lord and to grow in Him. So I ask you today, if you call this church your own, will you partner with me and together be a true disciple of Jesus and make a commitment today that I'm going to do everything I can to reach the people in my life. I'm going to do everything I can to help them find the Lord and bring Him glory. If that's you and you're willing to partner with me in that, would you stand to your feet today? Now, as you're standing, those of you that may be here for the first time, don't, don't feel that pressure to do that, or you may be visiting from another church. I get that. Don't worry about that. Nobody's going to judge you for that. I want to ask you this. How many of you here, under the sound of my voice, know somebody in your life that needs the Lord? They need to give their life to the Lord. Would you raise your hand? Everybody across the auditorium. All right. Well, here in just a moment, what I want you to do, I want you to come up to these crosses here, and I want to ask you to make a wholehearted commitment. You're going to do everything you can to reach them, so you're going to be living the blessed life now and for eternity. Come up here to these crosses and write their name on there and say, I'm going to do it by signifying, I'm making a commitment to do everything I can to be able to reach them for Jesus Christ. I want to be hands and feet of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we come to you, we're so thankful, God, for this opportunity to be in your house today. It's a privilege, God. We can't thank you enough for where you brought us on this journey in our particular church called Freedom Church. So today, we want to pray, God, for every soul. It is our sole purpose, and it is the goal of that soul to be able to reach them for your glory and honor. Find us faithful, God, in this journey and in this commitment. As we continue praying right now, in just a moment, I'm going to invite those of you to come up here. As we're praying right now, how many of you here would lift your hand and say, I feel conviction in my soul. I know that I need to give my life to the Lord today. I know that, and I feel that. I'll just lift your hand real high. Nobody's coming to you. Just lift your hand real high and say, I need to give my life to Jesus today. I feel him touching my heart. I know I need to pray to him today and receive him as my Lord and Savior. Need forgiveness of sins. Anyone, just lift your hand real high and say, that's me today. That's me today. Now, God bless you. God bless you. I see hands. All right, now what we're going to do, I'm going to come down here in front, and if you need to receive the Lord, I'd love to pray with you right here while the rest of you come and put the names of the people on here right now. Father, do a work and take our feeble efforts, and may it bring you glory in Jesus' name. Come right on.
If any of you need to pray, just come and meet me right here to receive the Lord or come back to the Lord. Something going on in your life, it's heavy on you, you know, and it's kept you from serving the Lord the way you need to. If you want to recommit or give your life to Him, love to pray with you. Lord, thank you for these names. And God, we pray in advance right now, God. Their lives are going to change because of you. Because of the heart of the true disciples that have a burden to reach them. We love you and praise you for our sole purpose. The soul is to go and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone, thanks for joining us today online. We know that you weren't able to join us in the auditorium, but that's totally fine because you've made this a priority in your life to make sure that you are receiving God's Word. If you received Christ for the first time today, that's absolutely awesome, but we want to know about it. So if you can, if you're on Facebook, in the description there's a link. Go ahead and hit that and fill it out uh, on our connection card that you receive Christ. If you're on our website, if you're on an app, hit the menu at the top and you can do the same thing from there. So, if you're already on the connection card, you probably are noticing some other next steps that might be interesting to you. If you are interested in any one of those, just check those and when you submit that, it'll inform us and we can be in contact with you to answer any questions that you may have about those next steps. So this is the time of our service where we're gonna jump into our giving. At Freedom Church, we believe that you can't outgive God. This is just another act of worship where we trust God with what He has blessed us with. If you're on Facebook, again, in the description, there's a link there. You can give securely, safely on the website and the app. Also in that menu, you can see a place to do that as well. But just because we're in the, the time of technology doesn't mean you can't do it the old-fashioned way. There is an address at the bottom of the screen that you can send it to, and it'll, come, it'll show up safe as well. Or just drop it by the office anytime Monday through Thursday between 8 and 5, and we will receive it. Other than that, you have a great day.